Well, good morning, adults. Good morning, kids. We got the kids in the room. It's family worship day today, so we've got our elementary school students uh, in the room with us. Um, and we always have our teenagers here, and so we've got a, a family worship uh, Sunday today. Um, hello to those of you online who are joining us uh, from wherever you are uh, this morning. Um, but excited to, to be able to bring the next message in our Defining Moments message series. Uh, I'm Pastor James Matchett. I'm the executive pastor here, if you don't know who I am. Um, and, uh, but I'm, I'm just glad, I'm glad to be here. So, um, so we're talking about moments, and, and I realized that um, having the kids in the room uh, with us, it made me think about our children growing up. I have two daughters. Um, one is turning nine tomorrow, um, and the other one is 11. And so, um, so I've got two daughters, and, and so they're, they're growing, they're growing up. And I realized that when you have kids and they're growing up, you, there's a lot of defining moments that take place as your children grow up, aren't there? There's those, a lot of firsts. You know, you've got the, the first words, um, and then you got the first steps, and then you got the first time at school, and all of, all of these firsts. And, and our, there's just so many moments that we experience, these defining moments that we experience with our kids. And the whole, the whole concept behind a defining moment is that because of this moment, everything now is different. And for those of you who have kids and you, they, they took their first steps, you, you know that everything now from this point on is different. Even the way in which you're going to decorate your house now is completely, completely different. And so things change because of a defining moment. And obviously we've been taking a look in scripture um, at uh, the moments that people have had with Jesus and, and I would venture to say anytime you enter Jesus' presence and you have a moment with him, it's a defining moment where everything can be different from that point forward. Um, but it, is, it was fun this past week to think about our kids, and so I was kind of reminiscing a little bit and, and, um, and thinking about just those moments that they had growing up. And i, I got to be honest with you, one of my favorite kind of moments and memories is when the kids, they have learned how to, how to talk, but they don't know what all the words mean you know, and they're trying to put together sentences and phrases. Did your kids ever say, just say funny things? You know, like there's a whole TV show about a kid say, you know, can I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say the other word, but, um, you know, crazy things, you know, kids say funny things. And so I, I remember my mom used to say uh, that rather than peanut butter and jelly sandwich, I called it peanut butter and belly sandwich. Like, so like, that's just, it's a silly thing, but that was, that was, that was my thing. So I'm going to tell, I'm going to share with you just a couple of my girls. Um, so Caroline, my youngest, um, for a couple of years, she, she just would say this, this thing. You know, um, when you ask somebody, if, hey, do you want this or do you want that? And then they say, I don't mind, is what it's supposed to be, okay? But for, I think for two years, if we'd ask Caroline, hey, do you want to go to Pizza Hut or Chick-fil-A? And she would say, I don't matter. And we're like, oh, but you do, sweetie, you really do, you know? But it was so cute, you know? It's so cute when they say that, because not only are they saying something funny, but they're small, and they're just, they're just so cute at that time. Now, um, I may get in trouble for this one, but um, Eliana, my oldest, um, when she was two, so she's young, just barely learning how to talk, um, she, she the funniest, the funniest thing. So you know when you sneeze, you say, bless you, right? Because the air came out. Well, air comes out this side, but air also can come out the other side. Um, and, and so um, one day, and we still just remember where we were, so she's in the bath, okay? 
and um, you know what happens, okay? So, and then all of a sudden there were some bubbles, you know, that um, we didn't make with soap or anything like that. And I think it actually shocked her a little bit. She's like, whoa, what is, I can do that, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And so all of a sudden she looked at us and then she looked down and she goes, bless you, diaper. <laughs> and I tell you, for like, for two years, three years, that was something that our entire family said, um, was anytime, you know, we heard a noise that um, we didn't, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about, then we would say, uh, bless you, diaper. Um, and um, it just was our thing, you know, and, and the kids just have those things. But, you know, so this past week, we were thinking about those things, and, and those are fun, and they're funny to kind of remember, but, but I am so sad because I know that there were so many more, you know, like there are so many more. And, and as it's happening, you're like, we can't forget these things. Like, actually, we told the kids, we never want you to stop saying that um, because it is just so cute. But, but I, I've forgotten so many. I've forgotten so many of them. And the, in the middle of it, you don't think you ever will. Um, but, but, I, but I have. And the reason that we had those to reflect on is as we were talking about the kids growing up, Katie went to one of um, our cabinets and she kind of ruffled through some things and she found a journal that somebody had given her and she write, would write down and just kind of make note of these big things that happened and some of these funny stories. And because she, she took the time to stop in the middle of life and record it to capture that moment, we were able to go back and reflect on it later on in life when we wanted to. But the ones that we didn't capture, the ones that we didn't stop and capture, life, you just get consumed with life and you think you'll remember, but, but you don't. And that's really part of what we're talking about today. And, and it, it can be something you layer on top of all of the messages in this series. We, we have many moments with God, don't we? Many meaningful, defining, life-changing moments with Jesus. And I think we think we'll never forget, but if I had to ask you, can you tell me about all of the moments, those life-changing moments that you had with Jesus? It'd be hard to go back and recall every single, every single one of them. You see, when we have a defining moment, it is important for us to capture it, to do whatever we can to capture it in some kind of way, because unless we capture these defining moments, then we can't look back on them and recall them when we need to. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. How can we capture more of these moments with God so that when we need them, when we're facing our next challenge, when we, when we need them to remember his faithfulness, then we can recall it. We can go back and remember how good he has been to us and how good he will continue to be uh, for us as we move on. So you say, how in the world does that happen? Well, today we're going to take a look at a defining moment with Jesus, a story where 10 people had the same encounter with Jesus, but one handled it differently, and as a result had a completely deeper and more meaningful experience with Jesus than the other nine did. And so we've got our kids in the room, and so um, I want to invite some volunteers, okay, to come. If you are an elementary school child, um, I promise you it's not going to take long. You're not going to have to talk, and I will make it worth your while, okay? So I want you to help me illustrate this. So can I call any, uh, I need 10, I need 10 elementary school children to come up on stage, and I've got these dots, okay? So I just need you to stand on one of these dots here, all right? We got 10, we got some coming. Let's give them a round of applause. Awesome. 
Keep coming, keep coming. I need 10. I need 10. So come on up. You guys just find your place. While they're coming up, parents, I want to talk to you. I'm excited that we're talking about this topic today, parents, because this, this is something that you can do as a family. All right, what we're going to talk about today is something that you can do as a family. Um, and you may make a decision during this service to say, hey, listen, we need to incorporate a new habit as a family um, because I believe that it could really dramatically change um, our family's lives. Um, and it can train our kids and prepare our kids to do this for themselves when they leave the house. Oh, I need two more. I need two more. Two more. Two more. Two more. All right, teenagers. Any, any teenagers? Teenagers love this kind of thing. So, you know, I need two more volunteers. Two more volunteers. You're not going to have to talk. You're just going to help me illustrate this. Come on, JoJo, right here. This green one's for you. This green one's for you. Come on up. Run on up. Run on up. I'll make it worth your while. Come on up. All right, there we go. Okay, we got our 10. We got our 10. All right, aren't our kids great? Don't you love that you're at a church that, that sacrifices, invests in the next generation so that we've got beautiful and, and studly um, uh, kids and our, you look great down there at the end. That's great. So um, you're going to get out of elementary school one of these days. Um, so, all right. So kids, I remember when I was your age, one of my favorite things to do was to shop. But the problem is, was when you're a kid, you don't always have the the money to shop, you know? Actually, parents, you know that the kids probably have more money than we do um, to spend, okay? And so you, you didn't do anything to necessarily deserve this except for you came up um, here, but I have something for you, all right? This is all you gotta do is just simply receive it. Ooh, somebody else may have 20s or 10s, I've just got fives, all right? So there you go, that's for you. There you go, that's for you. You go, what's that store where you can spend $5? Five, five and below? All right, this will buy you something. There you go, there you go, buddy. All right, see now aren't you glad you came up here? All right, all right, that's it kids. You guys can go have a seat, that's all you had to do. All right, so there you go, that was it. I told you I'd make it worth your while. All right, all right. See, they didn't do any. You're welcome, Ashley. Air hug, air hug. All right, all right. All right, so whether you realize it or not, you just, kids, you just told the story for us today, but so that we can see how all of that went down, um, let's read it. Let's read it from Scripture, okay? We're going to do that from Luke. Luke chapter 17. You want to read along with me, verses 11 through 19? It's a quick story. Um, but this is a, a definitely a big moment that these individuals have with Jesus. It says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice. Now kids, you came up here and you got five dollars and you think that that's great. But these men, they had a disease like, we've, we've actually become accustomed to some kind of quarantine that would keep you away from your family, keep you away from your friends, keep you from going to school, to work. These individuals, these men had a disease that kept them from their family, their friends, from work for the rest of their lives, and there was no cure. 
And so that's the situation that these men are in. So these men come up to Jesus. They say, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed, all ten of them. Now one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. And so just like our illustration, we had ten, and they received a gift. They didn't do anything to deserve it, but they received it, and then they went back to their seats. Um, And one, who I coached ahead of time, in case you didn't know, came back. She would have said thank you anyway, but Ashley came back and said thank you, and she had a special moment here with me on stage that the others, the others didn't get to have. Now, here's the thing. When we, when we read this story, I think we're actually, a lot of times we do this in Scripture, we're hard on the ones um, that didn't do it right, even though oftentimes what I've found in reading Scripture over the years is the ones that I'm hard on have a lot more in common with me than I'd like to admit. And so the nine that walked away were like, oh, well, you know, we kind of feel like they weren't grateful, but I actually think they were. You know, how could they not be? They'd have to be pretty, pretty mean people, you know, pretty bad people to have been healed from leprosy and to have not been grateful. I think that they had most likely a feeling of gratefulness and they just, but then they just kind of, they went on. One also felt grateful, but did do something different. Came back and expressed that gratefulness. See, one is a feeling. I think we can have a feeling of thankfulness, of gratefulness, and gratitude. And there is a difference between the feeling that we can have and then actually putting it to action, the action or the expression of gratitude. And in this story, the difference between those two things, that that made all the difference in the world. Because the one who chose to express that gratitude to Jesus had a special encounter with him, a deeper encounter with him, turned one defining moment into an even better defining moment and one that, because he, he was willing to stop and capture that moment with Jesus, I believe that that moment is one that he will carry with him the rest of his life. You see, that's what we're talking about today. Not just, not just a feeling of gratitude, but the expression of gratitude and how that makes all the difference. Because God's been good to us, right? God's been good to all of us, and I think we think about that and we're, we're, we feel grateful. But maybe more than we'd like to admit, we're like the nine often. We feel grateful, but then we just, we keep on moving on with life. When at times we need to stop and capture that moment with Jesus and express that gratitude in worship. Because I'm going to tell you, gratitude's a powerful thing. It's such a simple thing, isn't it? Like, are are we really going to talk about gratitude? (laughs) But gratitude is, is so under, underrated, underestimated. Like, it is so powerful. Look at all of the things, because of this one simple act of expressing gratitude to Jesus, look at all of the things that this man uh, got out of that. First off, gratitude draws us closer to Jesus. Literally. The rest kept walking further away from Jesus, and this one returned 
and got closer to him. Physically, yes, but also emotionally, spiritually, as a person, relationally. Gratitude in and of itself, when we show gratitude to God, it draws us closer to him. Second, it expresses honor and praise to God. It lifts God up. When we are willing to stop in the middle of our stuff and put our attention on him and express gratitude, it worships him. It lifts him up. It also, gratitude acknowledges the work of Jesus in our lives. You say, well, why is that important? It's important because we're very quick to take control of our lives, right? And when we express gratitude, we take that relationship and we write it. We put it in right right and proper proportion with him. We put him back on the throne and we put ourselves at the foot of the throne and we acknowledge that we're not in control, he's in control, and we didn't provide our stuff that God provided for us. It's powerful. It writes our relationship. One simple act, gratitude strengthens our faith and confidence to live life. Do you think that that man who was healed of leprosy and had this personal encounter with Jesus wasn't going to live with a new faith and confidence Is he going to face the next challenge in his life in a different way? I think so. It adds, strengthens our faith and confidence. That's why we capture these moments so that we can go back to them. And lastly, gratitude literally improves the quality of our life. And this is not even debated. Even secular scientists and psychiatrists and psychologists have done all kinds of research on gratitude. You can see it in all kinds of books, not just Christian books, but secular books. And they say that gratitude creates greater happiness, more optimism and positive emotions, new and lasting relationships, better health. How about that? More progress towards personal goals, fewer aches and pains. Who would have knew? All right. I need that more and more every day, all right? More alertness and determination, increased generosity and empathy, better sleep, and improved self-esteem. It's good medicine. Gratitude is good medicine for us. And as we're talking to families, it is important for us right now to teach and to train our children to be grateful and not just to feel it, but to express it to a God who has been so good to them because it is a practice that will pay dividends for the rest of their life. Because whether we like to admit it, we may not be as good at this as we think we are. Have you ever been praying for something and praying for something and then God does it and you just kind of get so caught up in the gift that you forget, you know, you kind of forget to thank the giver. You meant it, you felt it in your heart and sure he knows that but that you didn't really stop and take the time to express it in a proper way to God. I know that I do. I don't want to speak for you, but I know that I do. Have you ever ever found yourself dwelling on your challenges and kind of rushing through your blessings? When you really consider how much thought and emotional Uh, quantity you give to your challenges and your blessings? Have you ever found yourself dwelling on your challenges and kind of just kind of rushing through your blessings? How would our lives change if we started dwelling on our blessings as a way to, to push through our challenges? Have you ever let the obstacles in your life overshadow the blessings in your life? How would our lives change if we we made an intentional effort, a choice 
to have our blessings overshadow our challenges in life. Wouldn't we live in a completely different way? So today, I hopefully, um, hopefully we're going we're gonna to just get real practical, okay? Just real practical. How do we do that? Okay, how do we, how do we improve our expression of gratitude as a part of our everyday life? So let's just get really practical. First thing, this is how we do it. One, we have to be willing to stop and reflect. We have to be willing to stop and reflect. Listen, you want to you know why we didn't write down more of those stories of our kids? Is because when you have young kids, you're drowning. Literally. I remember coming home at the end of the day, and Katie was home with the kids at the time, and she would say, this is what I got done today. I emptied the top of the dishwasher. I didn't shower. I didn't brush my teeth. I'm still in the clothes that I was in when you left, but I did empty the top. I'm going to need you to empty the bottom because I'm going to go take a nap. No, I don't know that she ever said that. But life is a lot. It's hard. It's hard to stop, but it's worth it. In the same way, our life is fast-paced. We're running 100 miles a minute. It is, it is, it is hard. But listen, if, if, you're, if you're running, you, you will never reflect. You just can't. You just don't have the time to reflect while you're running. And so all of the good things that you have to process with God, you can only process in his presence. And I found that he doesn't typically run with me. He often wants to wait with me. And so we have to be willing to stop. That's literally what the, what the man did, the, different than the rest. The nine kept going, and one stopped. And he reflected on what happened and said, hey, listen, this is amazing, but maybe I need to go and check out this guy who did something that I've never seen. And we don't know what the relationship was with the others that left, whether they knew that this was the Lord and Savior, whether they were going to have eternal life or not. We don't know any of that. But what we do know is the one that stopped and returned to his presence acknowledged him as Lord. And that changed everything for him. We have to be willing to stop and reflect. Um, a good time to do that, practical time to do that, um, first thing in the morning. How many of you have woken up in a bad mood and stayed in a bad mood? What you set your mind on first thing in the day is powerful. And so if we start our day by asking the question, what am I grateful for? If, as you're driving the kids to school in the morning, if you just ask one simple question, kids, what are we grateful for? Um, then it could change their attitude, our attitude the rest of the day. And I can't prove this. I don't have any science behind this. But I tend to believe that the last thing that you think about before bed can impact your sleep and your rest and your dreams and your stress and all of that, I think that it's also a great time for you to say, hey, listen, these were the positives today. These were the good things that happened today. Ask the kids, what were your wins today? What, was the, what were the positives? What were your ups today? I think that that's powerful. Now, when you stop and reflect, the next thing we have to do is we have to see the good. We have to see the good. And it's not as easy to see the good as we'd like to think it is. Okay, I actually think that we're wired. Okay, God made us this way, and it's probably to our benefit for survival. And so what we naturally see are threats, dangers, challenges, problems, which creates emotional responses of worry and fear and anxiety and all of those. Those are natural for us. It's not natural to, to see blessings, so we have to train our eyes. 
We have to train our eyes to see the good, and we must teach our children to train their eyes to see the good, because God has done so much good. He has put beautiful things and beautiful people and beautiful experiences all around us if we train our eyes to see them every day. You can train your eyes. Listen, I love the outdoors, but I don't, I don't hunt. Um, I just, I've just never gotten into it. But, um, but one time, a long time ago, I was still single and a youth pastor, and one of the other pastors on staff was an avid hunter, and he said, hey, if we get up early and we drive through the state park, we'll, you'll see all kinds of deer. And I was like, all right, let's do it. So we got up early, we started driving through the, like, just as the sun was coming up, and he was like, oh, oh, look, you see that over there? Through the trees. And I don't know if I lied to him or not, okay? I know you're not supposed to do that um, to a, pa- but I may have said, uh, yeah, yeah, I see it. And then he's like, oh, oh, there's another one over there. Oh, look, look, look. I think by the time we were done, he had seen 10 deer, and I had lied about seeing 10 deer, all right? I didn't see a thing. I didn't see a thing. How could he see them? Because he trained his eyes to see through the trees and to see what he was looking for. Because we don't have to look for problems. (laughs) Those trees are all around us. (laughs) We have to train our eyes to see the good. And if if you are intentional about it, you can. Next, we need to put it into words. We need to put it into words. I think one of the biggest mistakes we make in our devotional time is that we think about something and we leave it there and then we move on with our day. How many of you have read scripture, then walked away and forgot everything that you just read? How many of you had a thought in your devotional time and then you walked away and the next day you have no way of recalling that thought? If we keep our thoughts in our minds, our mind is going to be on a hundred different things the rest of that day. As soon as our mind shifts off of that to something else, it's poof, it's gone. That's why I think that I think it's important to put it into words. The act of putting that thought that God has given us into words puts it in concrete. That's the way of capturing it so that we can go back and recall it later on down the line. So when you ask your kids in the car, hey, kids, tell me what you're grateful for. And they have to think about it, but also express it. It makes it more powerful for them. It helps them recall those blessings Tomorrow and the next day and the next day. It's one of the reasons, you know, we have our becoming guides and I've got them out at the, in the lobbies if you want to pick one up and you want to do this with your family, but it's one of the reasons we do these daily pages, okay? Every day, the last box here says, why I am grateful. And there's a little box. This is not a journal. Those people who journal don't journal in this. They have a journal that they have with this. There's not enough room in here to journal. There's enough room in here to jot some notes so that you can take the truths that God has given you and put them in concrete so you can capture them so that you can recall them when you need them. And so just jotting those notes in there. I'm going to tell you a a really cool tip, a trick, um, something that one of the guys in my um, one of the guys in one of my men's groups just asked us all a question. He said, "Do you guys just feel like you're just saying the same thing about gratitude?" Like, and, and it is true. You can every single day. You're like, "Why am I grateful?" And you're like, "Okay, Jesus and my wife and my kids and my job." Okay, tomorrow, why are you grateful? Jesus, my wife and my kids. Because you actually kind of feel guilty if you don't put Jesus. You know, like it's not like you know if you don't put your wife. You know, like. Listen, it's good to capture and to understand that God has blessed you with big things. 
especially if you, you can recall how he did that for you. That's great. It is equally as important for you to see the little things that God has sprinkled along your path all day long. And so I challenged him. I said, train yourself, train your eyes to see the little things and write those down. Man, the sunset on my way home. Man, God, man, you just, it's beautiful. Well, I got, to, I got to loan a tool to my neighbor, and I just think that's cool. That's the kind of neighborhood I want to live in, you know? Oh, I got to, I got to sit with my daughter, and she, and she talked to me, <laughs> you know? It's going to become rarer and rarer, um, I know. And so, like, that's, that's special. Me and my wife actually got to finish a sentence. You know, that was, that was fun, you know? It's been a while. Um, you know, like, just recalling that we got to play a family board game. You know, that, one of mine... Man, at work, we're just all laughing. I'm so glad that I work at a place where we just laugh. It's equally as important to train your eyes to see the beauty that God has placed all around you. Because the hope is we tune in. We become more aware. Because you don't have to look to see problems. But if you train your eyes, you can begin to see the beauty that God has placed all around you. And then lastly, live it out. Make it a lifestyle. Put it on repeat. Do it every morning. When you listen to worship music all day long, do you know what that is? So much of that is gratitude to God. It's just just pumping that good stuff into your life. And then at night, say, God, thank you for being with me today. These are the great things that you did. I'm just so honored that you have not only sent your son for me, but that you put beauty all around me. Live it out. You can live this every single day, and that's where it begins to really pay dividends. And for you as parents, to train your children, to train your children to see the good. I tend to believe that we're either spiraling down or we're spiraling up. And so much of that has to do with what we've put our minds and our hearts on. You want to know somebody who did this really well is Paul. You read the New Testament letters, you can see just, if you just step back from all of Paul's words, you just just know that he had learned how to do this. So much where he says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on something good. He says, I've learned to be content in all circumstances. You want to know how to learn to be content? When you are grateful, you become content. (laughs) And when you're content, you've got peace. And when you have peace, you have joy. That's how this works. And Paul was so good at it. And I just wanted, he ended so many of his letters this way. I just want to read this to you. And you can read along with me in Philippians 4, 4 through 8. And just listen to all of the positives that he recites in this, into this letter to the Philippians. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, it'd be interesting to count how many times Paul says this all the time. Whenever he says prayer, he also says, and thanksgiving. So many times Paul says, and go to the Lord in prayer and thanksgiving. Present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. 
Finally, brothers and sisters, let us train our children to do this. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Stop and reflect and see the good that God is doing and put it to words. Don't miss that opportunity to express gratitude to him. Oh, because it can be so powerful for you and live it out. I really think I'm going to close with this, just this real quick illustration. Listen, life is hard enough for us to just live in the negative when the positive is right within our grasp. Does it take a little bit of work? Yeah. Yeah, it's training. But with training, we can, with one simple act, we can draw ourselves closer to Jesus and give him honor and praise and acknowledge the work that he is, he is doing and strengthen the quality of our life and the confidence by which we live it and improve its quality every single day. Um, just like the battle that goes on in life, I'm fighting a battle right now. It's in my yard and it's with weeds. How many of you are there? One of the hardest things about Alabama is that it gets hot and the weeds begin growing before the grass does. There's anything you can do about it. The weeds just start growing first. But this is the first time I've had a yard to care for in a long time. I've lived in townhomes and apartments and things. So I, 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 but I was excited about it um, for a little while. And I made a big mistake early on, early on and, and maintaining my yard. I, there was a patch of weeds, and so I just went and I just, I just pulled them all up, just got rid of them. And I thought that's what you should do. And then there's just left this bare patch of ground. How many, can you guess what filled up that bare patch of ground? More weeds. <laughs> because the weeds are faster. And, and, and they're going to they're gonna fill up any empty space that you give it. And so I learned, I learned the lesson. You don't get rid of the weeds by focusing on the weeds. You get rid of the weeds by focusing on the grass, the good stuff. And when you focus on the good stuff and you feed it, it'll grow. And as it grows, it'll begin to consume more. And as it begins to consume more, it'll begin to choke out the weeds. We have to be intentional with our thought life and with our hearts, church, and we sure have to do it with our kids. Because any empty space we give the enemy, he's going to fill with weeds. Because he's fast. And the way in which to get rid of that is not to fight that. It is to focus on the good. And to feed the good in our lives. Because as we feed the good in our lives, it will grow. And as it grows, it will consume more and more of our hearts and our minds. And as it consumes more and more of our hearts and our minds, it will begin to choke out the lies of the enemy. And soon we'll see it coming. <laughs> That's a lie. I'm so filled with the truth of who God is and who he has made me to be. The weeds have no room here.
any longer. And so church, let's feed the good. Let's feed the good so that it can choke out the bad. And let's start right now. You stand with me as we worship.